January 6th pretrial detainee slashed across the face with a knife. FDA says Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine is linked to blood clotting. And Twitter files illustrate how intelligence agencies can rig politics. It's a special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We are the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 305 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show for Saturday, December 17th, 2022. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. This is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Okay, right off the bat, I want to go to an article over the Gateway Pundit with a long title that really got my attention. It's called J6 Pretrial Detainee Slashed Across Face with Knife is housed with convicted killers, gangsters, and rapists. Quote, I am living in a tiny cage lined by rat droppings and gagged by the stench of urine, says political prisoner Barry Ramey. So the article begins, Living in a cage lined by rat droppings and gagged by the stench of urine, Barry Ramey has been focused more on surviving death threats from known gang members than preparing for his February 21st trial in front of a jury of Trump-deranged Washington, D.C. Democrats. Ramey, a legally innocent pretrial detainee, remember, presumed innocent until proven guilty in the court of law, was slashed with a knife across his face by a convicted criminal that he is housed with in the Northern Neck Regional Jail in Northern Virginia. Ramey has not been convicted of any crimes. He is among two dozen January Sixers being held at the facility in Virginia, now mixed into the general population with convicted killers and rapists. Many have been moved there from the D.C. Gitmo jail in recent months. At the time of his arrest, Barry Ramey did not know if he would see his ailing mother again when she was taken in for emergency brain surgery following a cancer diagnosis. Although he did not cause any property damage at the Capitol, didn't even enter the Capitol building or physically touch any officers that day, Barry Ramey has been subjected to prolonged isolation, unsanitary, roach-infested 
cell conditions, and inedible slop for food, while forced to waive his rights to a speedy trial and legally presumed innocence. At one point, Barry Ramey was subjected to more than 80 hours of confinement in the same cell indefinitely lit by glaring fluorescent observation lights. An excerpt from a letter he wrote to the Gateway Pundit reads as follows. My toes are going numb, and I can't get the doctor to do anything for me. I may be becoming a diabetic. I cannot comment on the facility where I am now in fear of repercussions, although I will say that receiving proper medical attention is next to impossible. It's probably easier to pull the teeth from a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Recently, I have found out that my mother had a brain tumor and needed emergency surgery. Lately, I lie awake praying to the Lord, trying to hide my tears from other inmates, wondering if I'll ever be able to see my beloved mother alive before this is all over. I hurt deep inside for her. I'm so grateful for my loving fiancé that I know God put in my life. When Adam was lonely, God did not give him ten friends, but one woman. The first time in my life I've had a broken heart was hearing the false narrative on why I went to the Capitol and the things people said about me. I'm praying with all my might that this situation does not cost me the last time I get to hold and hug my mother. So that's the excerpt from his letter to the Gateway Pundit, which continues, there is no constitutional basis for the widespread pretrial detention of citizens like those that prosecutors have come after in January 6th cases. This kind of punishment does nothing more than exacerbate the suffering of political foes of the Biden regime and destroy lives. For Barry Ramey, the days get darker as his legal fees mount and the day of his trial in front of a D.C. jury approaches. You know, there is a, um, there's a vigil every night outside the D.C. jail held by uh, Ashley Babbitt's mother, Mickey. And um, we've got audio here of Barry Ramey's message to folks. I guess they had him on the phone from the uh, from the jail in Northern Virginia. And I just, uh, I think I ought to share it with you. It's a little over four minutes long. Hey, everybody. We have Barry Remy on the line from Northern Neck uh, facility. Hey, Barry. He has something he'd like to share. Hey, uh, hello, everyone. My name is Barry Remy. I'm currently incarcerated at Northern Neck Regional Jail in Warsaw, Virginia. I'm here for my participation in January 6th. I'm from the great state of Florida. I would like to take a moment on the label, the narratives that are being swung about at this current time in our time. Things like semi-fascist, racist, and a threat to democracy, so on and so forth. We the people can agree that in order to be, quote, fascist, one must have the underlining opinion that he or she is better or more superior than a person or nation of people. One must adhere to the authoritarian mindset that one has the right to oppress a person or nation of people. In order to oppress a nation, one must have a legion, even if small, of constituents who believe and uphold the fascist views 
of an authoritarian administration. After all, Mussolini and Hitler were both fascists. They were both socialists too, but that's a different subject for another time. Here in America today, we find one side of the political spectrum labeling the other side of that spectrum as fascist without getting into who's calling who what. Let's take a moment to talk about the facts. On one side, we have people and politicians who want to disarm Americans, limiting the types of firearms that people are allowed to possess. While the other side says to those same people, your Second Amendment rights shall not be infringed. One side believes that the federal government has the right to dictate abortion laws, while the other side believes the people have the right to decide those laws and what they should mean. One side believes that government agencies should have more reign and power over the people, while the other side believes these same agencies should have limited or no authority over its people's lives at all. One side wants its people dependent on them for their every need, and the other side wants to set you up for independence in your pursuit of happiness to no longer need them. One side believes that parental rights are signs of terrorism, while the other side believes that parents' right to choose what's best for their children is a right given from God. And one side believes in violence and chaos when it supports their cause, while the other side believes in equal justice under the law. One can easily draw the conclusion that the side that is calling the other side fascist should probably take a long, hard look into the mirror while grabbing a copy of a dictionary. Our nation is the great eagle with two wings. The left wing's only job is to be a problem solver, to help our eagle solve its problems, not create them. The right wing's only job is to ask how do we solve these problems without stepping or treading on our own feet. We the people are the feet. We hold the eagle up when it lands or can't fly at the moment. We do that with the taxes we pay. We do that with our hands and the things we build. And more importantly, we do that with our voices, our First Amendment rights. And I leave everybody on this note. Historically, every single tyrannical government whom treaded on the lives of its own people started by the age-old tactic of divide and conquer, the pot calling the kettle black. Loving freedom is not fashion. The calling freedom fashion is. God bless the USA. Say your name, America. Her name is Ashley Babbitt. Say her name. That's a guy who's been in prison over 240 days. Didn't go in the building. Didn't touch a police officer. Not alleged to have committed any crime of violence. Not even any vandalism. Didn't touch anything. And yet, there he is, rotting in jail. And this is what our government is doing to innocent people. And you don't think they'd steal an election? It's outrageous. There are a handful of people in the U.S. House of Representatives 
talking about these political prisoners. A handful. I probably count them on one hand. Louis Gohmert, who uh, made the mistake of running for attorney general in Texas, so he gave up his house seat. Great guy. Louis Gohmert, Paul Gosar, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, I think Lauren Boebert. That's about it. I can't think of anybody in the Senate who is. And, um, you know, the two big names that always get thrown out to run for president in 2024, uh, Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, a lot of good things about both those guys, but I don't really see them moving the needle on this issue, either one of them. It's a shame. You talk about a rigged system. Of course, all the trials of the January 6th defendants have to happen in Washington, D.C. None of the judges will grant a, uh, none of the judges will, will grant a, a move. And it's a, it's a shame because when, you know, when you're in a, a district that went 94% for Biden in the 2020 election, and those people just hate you because you're a Trump supporter. What are you going to do? No change of venues allowed from any of the judges, including Trump-appointed judges. And that's a shame. So um, pray for this gentleman, Barry Ramey, and the other political prisoners. I learned something a few years back, when I was in the eighth grade, we had American history. We were taught that Warren Harding, who ran for president in 1920, had a slogan, a campaign slogan called Return to Normalcy. But we had no idea what that meant. And I read a book called Liberal Fascism 10 or 15 years ago. And lo and behold, come to find out, What he meant by that was, look, if you elect me president, I will release the 100,000 political prisoners that Woodrow Wilson, President Wilson, put in prison. And the people of America said, yeah, we can can go with that, absolutely. Yeah. I have often heard it said history doesn't repeat itself, but uh, it often rhymes which is why when people would say, oh, Barack Obama is the worst president in American history, I'd say, maybe. He could be. I mean, how much do you know about Woodrow Wilson, though? I'm not saying Barack's not the worst, but are you familiar with Woodrow Wilson? 100,000 political prisoners in federal prison under Wilson. He had goon squads of baseball bats beating people up who either didn't want to say the stat, uh, the uh, Pledge of Allegiance or who would criticize the way he was going about fighting World War I, which, of course, they didn't know it was World War I then. They just called it the Great War, the war to end all wars. But uh, I think Biden's got both of them. Yeah, I, I think Biden is, is worse than Barack Obama or Woodrow Wilson. Huh? No, no, I didn't say combined. No, please, don't. Don't put me in that box. But uh, 
bad stuff. So we've talked about the uh, Twitter files. And there's been a lot of remarkable information released in the Twitter files. So one of the things we're going to talk about this evening or morning or afternoon, wherever you're hearing this, is how the Twitter files really show how intelligence agencies can rig politics. And we also have some rather startling breaking news. The FDA says Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine is linked to blood clotting. Now, it's not startling. I mean... A lot of us already knew this. But it's surprising that the FDA is now finally admitting this publicly. You know, Republicans take back the House. They did. I hope they try to hold some of these people accountable. But, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not really holding my breath, you know. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, Oh, before I forget, I got to play what Biden did. Uh, Biden's out there on the stump again. Just dementia Joe. You know, I, uh, my dad, when I got elected vice president, he said, Joey, Uncle Frank fought in the Battle of the Bulge. He was not feeling very well now, not because of the Battle of the Bulge, but he said, and he won the Purple Heart. And he never received it. He never, he never got it. Do you think you could help him get it? We'll surprise him. So he got him the Purple Heart. He had won it in the Battle of Bulls. And I remember he came over to the house, and I came out, and he said, present it to him. Okay, we had the family there. I said, Uncle Frank, he won this, and I went to peace. He said, I don't want the damn thing. I'm serious. He said, I don't want it. I said, what's the matter, Uncle Frank? You earned it. He said, yeah, but the others died. The others died. I lived. I don't want it. Okay, so the problem with that story is that Joey, as he says, his dad calls him, called him. Um, Joey wasn't elected vice president until 2008. Didn't take office until 2009. And uh, Uncle Frank, Uncle Frank died in 1999, and Joey's dad died in 2002. So, a Joey's dad wasn't around in 08 when Barack and Biden were elected to tell Joey, once you get in office, give Uncle Frank the. Uh, the Purple Heart, Medal of Honor, whatever it was, because Dad was dead and Uncle Frank was dead. But Joey sure does sell it, doesn't he? Oh, man, great passion, great pathos. Yeah, 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 yeah. He wants you to believe it. He's like, I don't want the damn thing. The others died. You understand? I don't want it. Never happened. Never happened. Joey just likes making stuff up. Joey just likes playing you. What a corn pop. Oh, that corn pop. Oh, he's a bad dude. 
and he ran some bad boys. And I got in trouble. Oh, yeah. You believe this garbage? Why does he do it? Because he's always done it. He did it decades before he ever got the dementia. Decades. He's been doing it all his life. All his life. Let's see what else we got here. More people have died from suicide, suicide, suicide than any other cause in the last three, five years. The last three, five years? Does that mean three to five or does it mean 3.5? Because I got to tell you, you know, I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, but the CDC says suicide is not even in the top 10 causes of death in America. But hey, Joey's used to getting away with it, isn't he? Yeah, he is. You know he is. All his life. Joey's used to getting away with it. All right, uh, we got a lot more coming up. Look, if you tried to buy a car recently, you probably found out there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. Now, I know folks who have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live because that's how far they had to look online to find what they wanted. Well, that's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, they'll drive it to you, no matter where you live. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy as and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry. Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has an Explore Payment Options button. Clicking the button guide you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. A dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door anywhere in the continental United States. RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. All right. It is my honor to tell you about America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier, Patriot Mobile. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, along with great discounts for our veteran and first responder heroes, as well as multi-line users. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're shifting your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. When you become a Patriot Mobile member, your dollars are helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. 
A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Oh, and by the way, I'm saving money. Switching is easy. Just go to PatriotMobile.com or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. Now, if you're a conservative-owned business tired of seeing your hard-earned dollars go to corporate woke agendas, Patriot Mobile now offers competitive business plans to suit companies of any size. Switch to Patriot Mobile Business. Learn more at business.patriotmobile.com or call their 100% U.S.-based member services team at 469-FREEDOM. Again, use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. That's business.patriotmobile.com or call 469-FREEDOM. All right, now, let's look at what we got next here. I want to share with you what the FDA is saying about Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine being linked to blood clotting. Zachary Stiber over the Epic Times says Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine has been linked to blood clotting in older individuals, according to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the FDA. FDA researchers crunching data from a database of elderly persons in the U.S. found that pulmonary embolism blood clotting in the lungs met the initial threshold for a statistical signal and continued meeting the criteria after a more in-depth evaluation. Now, three other outcomes of interest, a lack of oxygen to the heart. That doesn't sound good a blood platelet disorder called immune thrombocytopenia. Ooh, that doesn't sound good. And another type of clotting called intravascular coagulation. Eee, that sounds really bad. These red flags, well, they initially raised the red flags, according to researchers. More in-depth evaluations, such as comparisons with populations who received Influenza vaccines show those three as no longer meeting the statistical threshold for a signal. Uh, sounds like the fix is in. That's what it sounds like to me. Researchers looked at data covering almost 17.5 million elderly Americans who received a total of 34.6 million vaccine doses between December 10th, 2020, and January 16th, 2022. The study was published by the journal Vaccine on December 1st, so just a couple of weeks ago. The FDA said it was not taking any action on the results because they do not prove the vaccines cause any of the four outcomes and because the findings are still under investigation and require more Robust study. Yeah, right, right, right. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's your story and you're sticking to it? Really? Seriously? Dr. Peter McCullough, chief medical advisor 
for the Truth for Health Foundation, told the Epic Times via email that the new paper corroborates the concerns of doctors that the large uptick in blood clots, progression of atherosclerotic heart disease and blood disorders is independently associated with COVID-19 vaccination. Now, shockingly, I hope you're sitting down, Pfizer did not respond to a request for comment. I'm shocked, shocked, I tell you. FDA researchers with assistance from researchers with the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, analyzed data from the CMS database. They included Medicare fee-for-service beneficiaries age 65 or older who received a vaccine within the time frame, were enrolled when they were vaccinated, and were enrolled for a clean window of time prior to vaccination. The window was 183 days or 365 days, depending on the outcome. About 25 million people receive the Medicare fee-for-service, but only about 17 million were vaccinated during the period of time studied. Researchers used probability testing to detect an increased risk of one or more of 14 outcomes following vaccination. The goal was to see whether vaccination may increase the risk of adverse outcomes such as pulmonary embolism or blood clotting in the lungs. If an outcome met a certain statistical threshold, that meant it could increase the risk. The initial results of the safety monitoring detected an increased risk of four events. Now, the the FDA FDA announced this July 12th of last year, 2021. These four events that they said could be at an increased risk, they were the same four outlined in the new paper, which is the first update the agency has given on the matter since its announcement. As of January 15th, 2022, almost 9,100 cases of a lack of oxygen to the heart, known as acute myocardial infarction were detected. That's what researchers reveal in this new study. As of the same date, over 6,300 cases of pulmonary embolism, over 1,000 cases of immune thrombocytopenia, and 263 cases of the coagulation were detected. He's got the screenshot. He's got the screenshot from the chart right here. The primary analysis showed a safety signal For all four outcomes, researchers tried adjusting the numbers by using different variables. For instance, at one point, they adjusted for the variation of background rates or the rates of each outcome in the general population prior to the pandemic. After certain adjustments, not all, after certain adjustments, the myocardial infarction immune thrombocytopenia, and intravascular coagulation ceased being statistically significant. However, pulmonary embolism continued to be statistically significant, according to the researchers. Pulmonary embolism is a serious condition that can lead to death. Limitations of the study included possible false signals and possible missed signals due to factors such as parameters being specified wrongly. The conditions that didn't trigger 
a signal included stroke, heart inflammation, and appendicitis. The signals were detected only after Pfizer vaccination. Analyses for signals after receipt of the Moderna and Johnson & Johnson vaccines did not show any concerns. Moderna and Johnson & Johnson, of course, did not respond to requests for comment. All three vaccines have been linked to a number of side effects. Heart inflammation is, is causally linked to the Moderna and Pfizer shots, according to experts around the world, while Johnson & Johnson has been associated with blood clots. Oh, that's great. Other conditions such as pulmonary embolism have been reported to authorities and described in studies, though some papers have found no increase in risk following vaccination. Approximately 4,200 reports of post-vaccination pulmonary embolism, including almost 1,900 reports following receipt of Pfizer's vaccine, have been reported to the U.S. Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System as of December 9th. Now, as of the same date, over 1,400 reports of post-vaccination myocardial infarction, including 736 following receipt of Pfizer's vaccine, 469 reports of post-vaccination immune thrombocytopenia, including 234 following receipt of Pfizer's vaccine, and 78 reports of post-vaccination intravascular coagulation, including 42 after receipt of Pfizer's vaccine, have been reported. Reports to the system can be made by anybody, but most are lodged by healthcare workers, according to studies. The number of reports are an undercount, according to studies also. And some people don't want to get in trouble, you know, or it's just too lazy. The new study states the FDA strongly believes the potential benefits of COVID-19 vaccination outweigh the potential risks of COVID-19 infection. No evidence was cited in support of that belief. The FDA is set to meet with its vaccine advisory panel, January 2023, about the future of COVID-19 vaccines, as the vaccines have been performing much worse against Omicron and its subvariants. McCullough told the Epoch Times, a shortcoming of the CMS surveillance system is that it did not capture prior and subsequent SARS-CoV-2 infection, which accentuate the cumulative risk of COVID-19 vaccination. Given the large number of individuals who have been vaccinated, the population attributable fraction of medical problems ascribed to the vaccines is enormous. He says, I, know, I have concerns over the future burden to the healthcare system as a consequence of mass indiscriminate COVID 19 vaccination. And that is Dr. Peter McCullough. And thank you to Zachary Stiber senior reporter from the Epic Times, um, for putting this out there on social media, on Twitter. So I would know to, uh, to click the link and, uh, and share that with you guys. It's mighty troubling. Mighty troubling. But then so is the idea of our intelligence community stealing elections from us. See, they're supposed to be protecting the country, not trying to bring it down. I wonder how many of the people in the intelligence community looking at our economy think, 
Are we the baddies? You know? I mean, did we do the wrong thing? Well, you, you know, you might have. You know, you really might have done the wrong thing. You you really... No, I mean, everybody... Everybody, we're, you know, we're all going to be held accountable. We'll have to stand before our best friend. Well, you hope he's your best friend. He's either going to be your judge or your best friend. Anyway. Um, that having been said, I still want to get to the implications of the Twitter files and how the the feds have been rigging politics and who knows what else for that matter. So that's coming up straight ahead. But first, let me tell you about the best kept secret in American healthcare. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, psoriasis, migraines? The Arkansas Cervical Center might be able to help you. They've helped me. They've helped my wife. They might be able to help you. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, or C1, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does... Your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. Now, I had severe hay fever five or six weeks every spring all my life. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away, never came back. Migraines went away, never came back. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, Problems with your blood sugar, psoriasis, migraines. Do yourself a favor. Call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation. They've helped me. They've helped my wife. They've helped so many people that we know. Please call them to see if they can help you, too. That number again for your free consultation is 501-279-2009. So uh, check them out, turnmypoweron.com. All right, moving right along. What is next? Well, we want to talk about what the Twitter files prove. And the great Joy Pullman over at thefederalist.com has the article we want to look at called Files Illustrate How Intelligence Agencies Can Rig Politics. Joy Pullman is executive editor of The Federalist. Says here, happy wife, mother of six children. Um, author of several books, including The Education Invasion, How Common Core Fights Parents for Control of American Kids. And her best-selling ebook is called Classic Books for Young Children. So she's going to be really sharp. She's going to be really sharp. So let's check out what she's saying here in her article 
The Twitter files illustrate how intelligence agencies can rig politics. Subtitle, perhaps the most important outcome of these releases is the broadening recognition that Twitter, Facebook, Google, et al. are part of government propaganda operations. So she begins, It's not clear whether Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter is hostile. Musk could be motivated by deeply personal reasons to battle big tech's enforcement of Marxist identity politics, or he could be attempting to do damage control for the regime by duping people who have reason to distrust the regime into believing Twitter is now more trustworthy. There are many other possibilities, too, and it's impossible for outsiders to know which is true. After all, the Twitter files haven't so far released that much new information. We already knew big tech was colluding with federal officials to deny Americans free speech and therefore self-government. We already knew the Internet's dominant infrastructure is completely rigged. We already knew Donald Trump's Twitter defenestration. That's like throwing his Twitter account out the window was based on Twitter employees' personal animus against him, not any objective reading of Twitter company policy. We already knew Joe Biden is likely owned by foreign oligarchs who pay his son Twitter for access and influence, and that the Hunter Biden laptop story's suppression was a deep state influence operation that tipped the 2020 election. So whatever is going on behind the release of the Twitter files, good things can come from it. This wormhole likely goes very deep, and even what we're seeing now, quite close to the surface, is alarming. And it is indicative enough. Perhaps the most important outcome of these releases is the broadening recognition that Twitter, Facebook, Google, et al. are part of government propaganda operations. This is very likely why we've been hearing increasing alarms about, quote, protecting democracy, unquote. The existence and prevalence of this chant online is itself a strong indicator that democracy or the concept of self-rule through free and fair elections, as the basic bloke thinks of it, doesn't really exist anymore. At least that's certainly the case if big tech in collusion with unelected officials who are almost as far left as Twitter's employees selects what information voters may receive. Wow. This is strong. And then she has an embedded tweet from a guy who goes by the uh, title Rising Serpent. And it says, Twitter censorship, directly or indirectly, is what led to the horrendously regressive COVID policies. Biden's presidential victory and why we got the record inflation, energy, crime, illegal immigration, and fentanyl crises. We are here today because of what Twitter did. Now, the article continues. This Twitter capade reveals further details about big tech's function as an arm of U.S. so-called national security and intelligence agencies. Decades ago, these agencies started going rogue on the formerly inalienable 
constitutional rights of American citizens with tacit acquiescence from Congress through repeat authorizations and increased funding, these agencies and the entities they've colonized now treat the American people like occupied foreign territory, subject to psychological manipulation and institutional infiltration in a manner reminiscent of the Chinese Communist Party. In fact, this whole affair emits more than merely a whiff of totalitarian collectivism, both communist and fascist. For one thing, the Twitter files detail about the revolving door between U.S. intelligence agency employees and Twitter and surely also Google and Facebook. That recalls that Germany's infamous National Socialists embedded party operatives on private company boards. So does today's Chinese Communist Party. One must also consider the possibility, if not an absolute likelihood, that many of these former U.S. military and intelligence agents working at Twitter and company are not actually former military. They're not actually former intelligence, but they're covert government targets. Wow. I hear the practice is called sheep dipping. Former Twitter Deputy General Counsel Jim Baker certainly fits that description. So does Vajaya Gad. Now, I clicked on the link to the sheep dipping article. And it is from a veteran's website called wearethemighty.com, which has a lot of news articles. And um, it's written by a guy named Blake Stillwell article entitled, Sheep Dipping is the Worst Name for the Military's Best Job. He says, if you're a sheep farmer, dipping your sheep means you're literally dipping sheep in a bath made to kill insects and fungus. It's a good way to keep your flock healthy, but if you're in the military and about to be sheep dipped, it means your life is about to get a whole lot more interesting. It's a term intelligence agencies use when they pretend to boot someone out of the military but secretly turn that person into a covert operative. Don't worry. You still get your military retirement time. You just can't tell anybody about it. A reminder that the CIA has an undetectable heart attack gun. Remember that? While, well, it's no, it's got a picture of... Um, then-Senators John Tower and Frank Church at a hearing, and one of them is holding the uh, undetectable heart attack gun. That will be Frank Church, head of the Church Committee, that looked into the CIA abuses in the mid-'70s. While sheep dipping isn't the official term for moving a troop from military service to the clandestine service, It's a term the agency uses to describe the process of taking a career soldier, sailor, airman, or marine out of their branch of service on the surface. Instead of really removing the subject, the intelligence agency will just pull their official records, leaving behind their official record, the one which says the troop is retired, separated, or otherwise not in the military anymore. Now, the agency will take care of you They'll take care of your real official record from there, but there's still work to be done on the service member's part. They will be establishing an entirely new identity for themselves, after all. Their job is to make 
the move plausible, writing to friends and family, telling them why they got out, what they're going to do after leaving the military, and whatnot. According to L. Fletcher Prouty, a retired Air Force colonel who served as the chief of special operations in the Kennedy administration, the practice started during the Vietnam War when the Geneva Accords on on the neutrality of Laos in 1962. The quote here is, and that's why I decided to leave the Army and pursue my new life of definitely not being in the CIA. This agreement prevented foreign combat troops from entering Laos, the Geneva Accords. American troops engaged in combat in neighboring Vietnam were forced out of the country of Laos. The Nixon administration, not known for honoring international borders when it came to prosecuting the war in Vietnam, decided they would need military support for intelligence agencies in Laos and opted to use so-called sheep-dipping as a means to get military members into the country of Laos. Now, this seems implausible to you. Remember, we're talking about the guy who decided to bug the Democrat National Committee and then cover it up, even though he was about to win in the country's biggest landslide in history in 1972. Smooth. The North Vietnamese were secretly supporting Laotian communists in their effort to topple the government of Laos. So why shouldn't the U.S. do the same thing in order to support the Laotians? Besides, the NVA, North Vietnamese Army, was still using Laos as a staging point for attacking Allied troops in South Vietnam. The U.S. military decided to sheep dip a number of specially trained U.S. troops in order to conduct a clandestine war in Laos. President Nixon even allowed the Air Force to provide air support for the secret war in Laos. The sheep-dipped soldiers of Vietnam were all provided with their full pay and benefits, not to mention regular promotions and their retirement. If a sheep-dipped troop were to be killed in the line of fire, that would pose more of a problem. Their family would struggle to get the benefits befitting a widow, but the agency handled each case separately. So that's that's all about sheep-dipping, Okay. Now, Joy Pullman, over the Federalist, the way we got into that was she said, one must also consider the possibility, if not absolute likelihood, that many of these former, so-called former U.S. military and intelligence agents working at Twitter and company are not actually former, but covert government agents. She says, I hear the practice is called sheep-dipping. Former Deputy General Counsel for the FBI, Jim Baker, certainly fits that description. So does Vajaya Gad. I'm like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. How do they fit the descriptions? Okay, so link to an article over firstpost.com. Who is Jim Baker, former top FBI lawyer, fired by Elon Musk over Twitter files? And it makes it makes a pretty good case that he's probably still getting paid by the feds. Okay, I mean, that's just, you know, I mean, the, the evidence, I think, is is there. And with uh, with Jay Agad, oh, yeah, that links to an article from the Brownstone Institute. 
Groundstone.org. What is CISA and why does it matter? From Jeffrey Tucker. And buddy, that that is an article right there. On October 27, 2022, Elon Musk fired Vijaya Gad from her job at Twitter where she was general counsel and the head of legal policy and trust. It became quickly obvious to him and others on his team that it was she who drove the censorship policy within the company, including that which blocked all information about Hunter Biden's laptop before the 2020 election and otherwise shut down critics of government COVID policy. Her termination from Twitter did not leave her unemployed and homeless a year earlier. A year earlier, she had already been tapped as an advisor to CISA, which is the government's cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency, headed by Jen Easterly, who was chosen to head the new agency created in 2018 out of her tenure at the National Security Agency. As Freddie Gray puts it in the UK Spectator, this seems fishy, to put it mildly. And boy, they, it looks like they got the goods. It really looks like they've got the uh, got the goods there. All right, now, then they've got an embedded a couple of embedded tweets from Matt Taibbi, who says the process for producing the Twitter files involved delivery to two journalists, Barry Weiss and me, via a lawyer close to new management. However, after the initial batch, things became complicated. He said, over the weekend, while we both dealt with obstacles to new searches, it was Barry Weiss who discovered that the person in charge of releasing the files was someone named Jim. When she called Twitter headquarters to ask Jim's last name, the answer came back, Jim Baker. And we're not talking about the uh, disgraced evangelist. No, no, we're talking about the uh, guy who was number two assistant uh, general counsel of the FBI and who was just neck deep in all kinds of scandal. Anyway, Joy Pullman continues at the Federalist saying, it's also noteworthy that a number of these types, including Baker and big fat lying former CIA director John Brennan, seem to be laundered through CNN and MSNBC stints as so-called security analysts. In other words, to use TV to spread regime desired disinformation, such as to help quash the Hunter Biden laptop story in 2020. And they've got a couple of embedded tweets here from Matt Beebe. He says, um, oh, really? Twitter employees were repeatedly found to be intentionally installing spyware on their work computers at the request of external organizations? Are you kidding me? Multiple episodes suggesting that Twitter had been penetrated by foreign intelligence agencies and or was complicit in threats to democratic governance? Really? Wow. Then Matt Beebe says, Hey, Elon Musk, will you release ex-Twitter security chief Peter Mudge Zatko from his confidentiality agreement? He was clearly right about everything in his whistleblower complaint. How did his hiring in late twenty, late 2020 intersect with everything else? And response there from my buddy Cape and Cal on Twitter says, so Twitter employees were working with the FBI and foreign intelligence, and the higher-ups were warned and were totally cool with it to the point they fired the whistleblower to silence the story. Just amazing. 
Back to Joy Pullman at the Federalist.com. Now that we got through the embedded tweets, she says the use of spycraft against American citizens seems to be an increasingly recurring and increasingly visible aspect of our post-2016 dystopia. Recall that it appears to have been a feature of the January 6, 2021 so-called insurrection. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's take a look at that link to the, the word feature. Oh, it goes to yahoo.com and says, hmm, the page you're looking for isn't here. Try searching above. No, 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 no. Now, I'm going to find it. I'm going to put it in the, the Wayback Machine. Now, y'all can't, y'all can't diss me like that. Y'all can't get rid of me that easily. We'll put it in the Wayback Machine. No time for the haters. No time for the haters. Let's see what we got. You copy. You paste. And then you hit the enter button. Uh-oh. Wayback Machine has not archived that URL, but the page is available on the web. It is? That doesn't make any sense to me. doesn't make any sense. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, she says, the use of spycraft against American citizens seems to be an increasingly recurring and increasingly visible aspect of our post-2016 dystopia. In other words, the intel community freaked when Donald Trump beat their girl Hillary Clinton on election night 2016. Joy Pullman says, recall that it appears to have been a feature of the of the January 6, 2021 so-called insurrection, the 2020 Michigan tyrant kidnapping false flag operation, the Spygate operation, the attempted FBI entrapment of Senator Ron Johnson, and many more. While the vast majority of Americans don't use Twitter, it has a massive outsized influence on every American's everyday life. We saw that in real time with a consent spiral manufactured possibly by national security agencies to impose unprecedented lockdowns in 2020. Twitter has a fraction of the users of every other major online network, yet it controls the political conversation because of who uses it and how they use it. It's helpful, even if not literally true, to think of Twitter as an influence operation targeted at Congress, the executive agencies, the corporate media that control the ruling Democrat Party, and other members of the ruling class. That's who its users overwhelmingly are, especially the most active ones. Twitter is where people go to link up to the woke hive mind. That's why it's poison to everyone, but especially to Republican officeholders. This is why Republican politicians make some of their stupidest decisions when framed by what they see on Twitter. Because the Twitter consensus, so-called, reflects the opposite of Republican officeholders' constituents' views. This disconnect is a major reason, for that matter, that the Federalist.com exists. It's simply a pressure tool for the leftist mob. That's what Twitter is. That's also why... Big business leaders are idiots to respond to Twitter mobs. The majority of their customers don't pay any attention to Twitter anyway. This information asymmetry has been highly destructive to the American Republic, but highly useful to the nefarious actors who run our deeply corrupt federal agencies. For one thing, 
It has allowed the veiled imposition of a vast information iron curtain across Western countries where many people believe themselves to be free citizens. Twitter is the tip of the spear for this growing censorship regime, now consisting of a shadowy web between federal officials, social media-sponsored so-called fact-checking, censorship hacks, big tech, corporate media, intelligence agencies, and who knows what other entities. Twitter has been the typical initiator of bans on a person, organization, idea, or conversation from an online voice and sometimes from basic life necessities such as banking. Then, Facebook, Apple, Google, and others follow suit. The other colluding entities get Twitter to do the heavy lifting of canceling a dissenting person, political movement, conversation, or idea, then just file behind and copy Twitter so they avoid blowback to their own platforms. We now have more evidence to add to the growing pile establishing that Twitter wasn't just functioning this way because almost all of its employees were far-left Democrat activists. It also has been rigging public conversation and therefore public life and elections themselves at the behest of elected and unelected Democrats using their public positions for deeply partisan gain. The Biden administration admitted it was flagging specific posts for Twitter to take down. It called for big tech to inflict consequences on those who disagree with Democrats and attempted to publicly formalize its evisceration of this vital tool of democracy, free speech, with a so-called disinformation governance board. What are we linking to over here? Call for big tech to inflict consequences of those who disagreed with Democrats. Let's see. The U.S. Surgeon General's advisory on building a healthy information environment including confronting health misinformation. Yeah, I don't think I... No, I'm good, man. I'm good. I don't need any of that. The Biden administration's national security apparatus openly declared that anyone who doesn't agree with Democrat politicians could be investigated as a potential domestic terrorism. And they got a link to an earlier article from a few months ago uh, at the federalist.com, criminalizing opposition to the regime is how the republic ends. Last but not least, these government-entwined monopoly platforms obviously exist to disseminate coordinated information operations and kill competing information. They are staffed with de facto or actual intelligence agents at levels high enough to disappear key internal records. Anyone who claims these are simply private companies is either not intellectually competent, in denial, or part of the ongoing PSYOP to deny Americans the right to make their own political decisions based on genuinely free and open public discussions. Yeah, I mean, what's this bit about threatening the president? You know, I don't care if it's Brazil or what, but that's... That's some weird stuff going on there. I mean, they should come down like a ton of bricks, like a ton of bricks, no matter where that kind of stuff happens. All right, uh, that having been said, you know, I, I love it when it's time to say, hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. 
And it's brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to, online, have it delivered to your front door, anywhere in the continental United States of America. All right. Today's tweet of the day is brought to you by the great Babylon B. I have a family member who's one of the funniest people I ever met in my life. And this person has said, you know, I wish I could write for the Babylon B, but I'm not funny enough. Oh, my goodness. So Babylon B, they're a parody site, a satire site. And they got this new little three-minute video of a six-and-a-half-year-old little boy who uh, says he is Vice President Kamala Harris's speechwriter. And they got video of him going to work in the office and everything, you know, wearing a nice little suit and tie at six and a half years old. And perhaps when you listen to this three-minute little video, it will occur to you why it's funny that a a six-and-a-half-year-old is posing as Kamala Harris's Press secretary. It goes something like this. Hi, I'm Oliver Bartholomew, and I'm six and a half years old, and I'm the speechwriter for Kamala Harris. My mommy and daddy say, if you find a job you love, you'll never have to work a day in your life. Morning, Faith. Yeah, hey, hey, Oliver. And my parents were right. Ever since I was little, I liked words. Writing words is fun. So I made writing words my job. Every politics person has a writer, like me, to make good words for them to say. Space is exciting. Space, it affects us all. And it connects us all. Got the idea when I was thinking about space and how big it is. Man, it's big. It's not all fun, though. Sometimes I have to write about bad stuff, like war. Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So, basically, that's wrong. It's cool to see the words I've typed good actually get get set on TV. It's fun. I like it. Once I thought it would be neat if Kamala wore a blue suit and told people she was wearing it. Because I like it. I'm a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue suit. It's cool because the suit's blue and it's the color of the sky. I'm all over. One time, I was on the school bus, and I thought it would be neat if Kamala talked about the school bus. And who doesn't love a yellow school bus, right? Who doesn't love a yellow school bus, right? Can you raise your hand if you love a yellow school bus, right? I can't take all the credit, though. Me and Mr. Kamala are team. Do you know, like, relay racing? You know, you race, and someone passes the baton, and then, right? But she kind of is crazy. 
crazy or something. And she kind of scares me. <laughs> and you can't fake that coming from Florence. Remember Venn diagrams, those three circles? Right. And then let's just see where they overlap. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> what else do we know about this population, 18 through 24? They are stupid. You're either born with it or you're either not. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. It's quitting time. I need to get home in time for blue. See you, my friend. See you later, Oliver. <laughs> that time is every day. <laughs> the idea is, obviously, when you hear her speak, it's like, who, who writes this garbage for a six-year-old? And uh, <laughs> Babylon B is like, yeah, let's work with that. Let's work with that. That's great. All right, having said that, you've been listening to episode 305 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier the Tenth. And that's the way it is, Saturday, December 17th, 2022.